Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the what podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I'm Tara, and today I am joined by a special guest co-host, Cassidy. Cassidy, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be joining you today. We have talked about basketball together for a really long time, for all of the years that we've known each other. And when I knew that Kendall was going to be taking some time off to be the responsible college student that she is, I was like, we got to get Cassidy in to talk. So could you start off by, you know, introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your connection with basketball? Yeah, my name's uh, Cassidy Gemmett, and I was born and raised in Portland as a Blazers fan. My parents have had season tickets my entire life, and I grew up going to games and having my parents change my diaper in the stands because they didn't <laughs> want to leave and miss a play. And my mom would sew me baby Blazer clothes before they sold them. Um, and I played my entire childhood playing basketball, and I have been a basketball-obsessed Blazer fanatic my entire life. <laughs> So what is it that you think drew you to the sport? Do you think it was just growing up around it or what else is it that you are really attracted to? Um, I think growing up around it was a huge part of it. My grandpa was also almost a pro player and then ended up going to war instead. So it's kind of a family thing. Uh, but I'm definitely always drawn to basketball because of that high paced game with a sense of the intellectualness that basketball has and all of those I don't know there's a sense of more thought a lot of the time I feel like in basketball than other sports that I notice and so it just immediately attracted me there's definitely a lot going on in a basketball yeah. game uh you grew up a blazer fan what were some of your like seminal blazer moments um I was in the stands for both the Brandon Roy shot and the Damian shot. Um, so, so the Brandon Roy comeback? Yeah, though that yeah, and then the shot that was identical looking to the one that Dame hit against Houston mm -hmm. to to win that playoff series. And mm -hmm. so being in both the stands for both those games were definitely high points for me. Uh, I think being there when they retired Clyde's number for Clyde Drexler's number was a big thing for me too because I grew up as a huge Clyde Drexler fan. What about uh, recently over the last several years, um, you know, after Brandon Roy retired, how have you been coping <laughs> since then? Um, it's been a process, but I will forever and always love this team despite what happens to us. So I think it's been a good time to kind of get more into the basketball end versus just the fandom because it's easy to be obsessed with a team that's doing so well. And it's, a it's more fun, I think, to follow a team and be just truly loving a team win, lose, or bad times or good times. You mentioned uh, getting into like the basketball aspect of it. So I'll ask you like, what are some of the parts of the game or styles of play that you really enjoy watching? Like for me, give me a dunk. I am a total sucker for <laughs> a fast break and a dunk. What are some of the, the types of styles that you like to watch? I love a trick pass. Oh. I love a no look pass. Um, and I think that comes from playing as a guard most of my playing career. Mm -hmm. But I just, I love watching players connect with each other in a way where it's like, I know where you are, whether I'm looking for you on the court or not. 
because you've played so much together and you have that connection that it's like, yeah, I know you're going to be in that spot or I know you can get to that spot to get the ball that I'm going to throw at you. <laughs> cool. So I love that part of the game, but I, I do love a good dunk. I have watched every dunk competition the, the NBA has ever had multiple times and I love a good in-game dunk more. You love the in-game dunks more than the the flashy planned. Yeah, yeah I know they're so canned. Yeah. They gotta yeah. they gotta do something out. Uh, they gotta do something. I think when they used the um, what was it the, what do you call those, the hovery thing? I, why am I totally? Oh yeah, <laughs> what? the hoverboard thing. That thing was. I was like, what is happening? Just. <laughs> Just dunk the ball. Like, give us a good quality dunk. Well, like, a good, like, ah, uh, just, ah, uh, no. Yeah, well, and there's so, players are so athletic these days. They don't need to bring yeah. out props. I mean, they just, yeah, like they could do amazing things with their bodies. They're like, you know, they have as much control over their bodies probably as, like, you know, the highest level dancers. You know, they could do some incredible things. Yeah, and I I'd love to see some of like the old school uh play like playground dunks, like dropping like a stack of quarters on the top of the backboard and then going down to dunk the ball. Like just give us something good, not crazy and flashy. Yeah, those would be really fun. So uh, I know that you are blazer blazers all the way. Um, I believe your mom told me that you actually went in to games when she was still pregnant with you. So yes. <laughs> you've been going a really, really long time. But aside yeah. from the blazers, who are some of the teams or players that you've enjoyed the most over the years? Uh, I've been a huge Reggie Miller fan. I love really? that huh. antagonistic type of play. It's something that is so entertaining to me. And then I think the time that I've grown up and watching basketball, I've gotten to see him as an announcer now too. And I think that connection has always been good. And I've always loved the competitive nature between him and his sister because I was always a bigger fan of Cheryl than I was Reggie. Mm -hmm. um, I've also – I like – I've been a Duke fan my whole life, which is crazy. I know. Um, but uh, watching players like Grant Hill uh, was a big one. I was stoked to see Scottie Pippen come to the Blazers when he did because I feel like I was more of a Scottie Pippen fan than I was a Michael Jordan fan in a lot of ways. Just the way he plays basketball, I liked watching that. Mm -hmm. And how about these days? If you had to root for somebody besides the Trail Blazers, oh. who could you bring yourself oh, to cheer that's for? A tough question. I think I could bring myself to cheer for a team like Philly, watching those young players. They're a fun team that's having a lot of fun, and it's it's good basketball to watch. It's enjoyable to watch. Uh, it's got that quick pace, but also has those moments of absolute ridiculous because, you know, there there isn't really a veteran on the court with them a lot of the time. Yeah. It sounds like you like the, the fun, fast-paced kind of play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Me too. I the more chaotic, the better. I mean, I do like a nice, a well executed play, but I just love those moments when everything falls apart and somebody comes up with some heroic way to save the things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I just who's gonna have the presence of mind to grab the ball when it's absolute mass chaos on the floor? <laughs> yeah, I was just I just did a piece for Blazers Edge where I was watching all of the plays. Or I was watching everybody's scoring attempts in the last last minute of the game for the whole last season. And there were some crazy scrambles in the last minutes of the games. That was pretty funny to watch. 
Well, thank you for uh, telling us a little bit about yourself. Now, what has been on your mind? We're off season is starting to come to a close. What have you been thinking about? Um, I'm excited for off season to end, but I think uh, I've been excited to see the retirement train. I think watching, knowing that like we're we're gonna we're coming to the end of a lot of the players that we have seen be so great for a long time. And so I think it's going to be fun to watch those younger players step into those roles. Like we're losing, you know, no more Paul Pierce, no more Matt Barnes, no more Carlos Boozer, no more Manu. And so I think watching to see what happens in those positions is going to be fun. Yeah, it certainly will be interesting to see the the turnover and to find out how much the game changes as well. You mentioned being a Grant Hill fan earlier? Yes. I I have watched a lot of his career, read his autobiography or read his biography, watched him in college. So, yeah. He's being inducted into the Hall of Fame, isn't he? Yeah, he's being inducted and I think that induction is happening this week. And I'm really excited to watch this entire ceremony. I think a lot of amazing people are going into the Hall of Fame this year and I'm excited to see um Coach K give part of that present presentation to present grant hill into mm-hmm. the hall of fame uh, of, of the people who are going in this year is, is he the person that you're most interested in or what are who are some of the other players that you've uh watched over the years um i think anybody who's watched basketball over the last few years has gotta say steve nash steve nash changed the game in so many ways and i think a lot of I was rewatching that 2007 Spurs Western Conference semifinals versus the Suns. And it's the game where Nash broke his nose at the end of that game. And I feel like that is one of the most interesting games that I've seen in a long time. Um, it's just fascinating that he just keeps going. Like, he just is gushing blood on the court. And he, like, will not stop until they tell him he has to leave the court. And I think just seeing that kind of dedication, I think I'm excited to see Steve Nash make it to the Hall of Fame as well. Um, who else is making it? I know Mo Cheeks is going this year, which is a I fun connection. I was really connection. surprised about that one. I mean, not like I'm saying that he's, like, you know, wasn't a – I just never thought of him as a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I don't know if I – do either but I feel like if anything he's a defensive hall of famer um and I feel like maybe his coaching career helped bring him to the hall of fame it really rounded out his entire time with the NBA and I think maybe that helped well and um Dr. J is one of the people presenting him the award so that that says a lot about him I'm looking at the the sports or the ESPN article about him Maurice Cheeks had was a 11.1 points per game, 6.7 assists, and 2.1 steals over 1,101 games. So averaging 2.1 steals oh, wow. over more than a thousand games—that's that's some busy hands. And he was yeah, a five-time NBA All Defensive Team member. Um, so I guess yeah, and fifth all-time in NBA steals. Okay, yeah, maybe maybe that Hall of Fame. Maybe I, <laughs> I, know, I was just, <laughs> I, but I was surprised too. I was like, oh, really? Um, Ray Allen is also going to be inducted this year. That's cool. Grant Hill, Jason Kidd. Um, that should be. Um, I wonder what shenanigans he's going to get up to with <laughs> Probably something. And Gary Payton oh, is man. presenting Jason Kidd, so you know it's going to be yeah. a fun craziness. Something. 
I'm excited to see Tina Thompson make it to the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, and that's exciting, especially as a 90s kid. I was so inspired by that generation of women players. And to watch her win two gold medals was definitely an inspiration to me. And so I'm excited have to see you her Have you ever been well. to the Hall of Fame? I have not. I, I went I there a go. couple of years ago and it was pretty cool. <laughs> it was it was really uh there was so much to see cuz like, every player has given something and you know each object that he or she has given you know has like a little explanation to it plus there's all of like the teams who got inducted or people who posthumously got inducted and there's just so many stories there's so much to absorb uh in that hall of fame it's really interesting i highly recommend it for people I definitely need to make a trip. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I think you would. I think you'd really like it. So what else? What else is on your mind? Yeah. So the training camp signings that just came down, uh, Woj announced today that uh, the Blazers picked up for training camp. And I may not get these names completely right. I think it's Chinanu Anuaku, uh, Cam Oliver. And then the one that I find most intriguing is Gary Payton II. Um, and I'm excited about those pickups. I hadn't watched the first two play much, uh, but I've been watching a few clips and I am excited to see what could happen in training camp. I think these could be interesting, interesting people to play off of. And I think the Gary Payton, Gary Payton uh, second pickup is interesting to me because it makes me wonder if we are looking for him to become our backup point guard and maybe we are looking to break up that front court. So, or the back. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that's a big statement, but I want to see how he plays with Dame, especially knowing that Gary Payton was Dame's uh, hero growing up. Right. So to see him play with possibly his son, that could be an exciting thing. So I'm I'm intrigued. The the Blazers don't, I believe, they don't have any space on their roster mm-hmm. right now, but they're looking at guys that they could possibly maybe sign for two ways, okay. I think is is where this might go but like you know having somebody associated with the team because god knows we don't have enough guards that's a joke for people who don't watch the (laughs) who doesn't need another guard in this league yeah (laughs) so in terms of like off-season activities there's like a spectrum of uh of things that there are to talk about in the off-season like like the the top stuff is probably like you know free agents and trades like that's on one end of the spectrum and on the other end of the spectrum you have like like what somebody had for lunch at the winery that they posted on instagram which i'm right? super <laughs> into i need to know what they're eating <laughs> so like where do you put like uh training camp signings on this Uh, spectrum oh i feel like they're maybe above what people are eating at wineries uh but i'm very interested in that um but i think more of a point i think it's more of just a point of interest versus really a topic and then it could become a topic after they play in training camp (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> after we see after that we see how they do. Well, you mentioned earlier, you know, one of the things that you're kind of looking forward to is, you know, with some of the older players retiring and some of these younger guys coming into the league, what it's what it's going to look like. And there have been uh at least one 
or a couple pretty major retirement announcements. So uh, obviously Manu Ginobili, David West, that's also a pretty big one. Both those guys have been around. They've, you know, um, David West is a multi-time all-star, I believe. Um, but like Manu is the, is the person that really people have been talking about a lot. So what are your kind of favorite Manu moments or how are you going to remember Manu Ginobili? Um, it's, I've got a few favorite Manu moments for sure. I think the one that I, I think everybody mentions is the day he caught the bat playing. Uh-huh. That was just so Manu in that moment uh, to just be like, nope, okay, we're going to keep playing now. Like, I've done this. I've dealt with it. Um, I think my favorite... Do you think oh, yeah. about that one? Do you think it's more significant that he had the... Um, the the reaction, the quick reaction time to be able to catch a bat out of thin air, or do you think it's more important that he became the grandfather grandfather vampire of the Spurs dynasty? Like, which one of those parts was most significant? I feel like probably the vampire dynasty. They are definitely vampires. Um, <laughs> I well, so I watch a lot of vampire shows. I know you know a lot about CW vampires and like HBO vampires. So I'm less knowledgeable. I mean, <laughs> so here's the thing about vampires: they're obviously ageless. They can they last forever. Twenty three seasons, they playing are, full year. That's ageless. Yes, they um, are uh, extremely smart. They're extremely fast, and they heal themselves. So, so um, is a, definitely a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and then I think it, uh, a lot of it spread to the other, the other players who also, you know, fountain of youth or whatever, you know, have lasted for so long. And I think things really started to break down last year when like Kawhi, like if you're a vampire, you should be healing yourself, but maybe you know, he never gained those powers. Maybe that really was the problem. He never really embraced being a vampire. <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. Yeah. But anyway, more back onto other, <laughs> uh, more serious Manu memories. Um, I think it's funny. My favorite playing memories for Manu are not in a Spurs uniform, but in an Argentinian uniform. Uh, I think the 2004 Olympics was a highlight for Manu overall. Game one, his game winner against the Serbia-Montenegro team was one of the craziest, most incredible shots you could ever have as a game winner and then to eventually lead his way to winning the Olympic gold and being the first time since the U.S. hadn't won since 1988 was pretty impressive on his part. So I think that 2004 Olympics is full of my favorite Manu moments. Uh, I think on a less serious note, if no one has ever, if you've never taken the time to go down the rabbit hole of watching all of the HEB commercials that the Spurs puts out, Manu is an excellent addition to those commercials, and I'm going to be pretty sad to see him leave the uh, HEB commercial team. Yeah, that's the local grocery store chain that the Spurs always do their commercials for. Yeah, they're excellent. I highly recommend. You should going find down your favorite one. one. Uh, yeah, find your favorite one and send me a, a link, and I'll I'll put it in the show notes so people can see. Awesome. <laughs> My favorite manu moment was probably more much more recent and it was against the houston rockets in it was i think it was a it was a game five uh and he in the last moments of the game he had just one of those incredible shots that like 
no human could put in because he was like so contorted and falling down and like reaching around people. He got that bucket. And on the other end, the greatest moment that I remember of, of him was when he blocked James Harden from behind. Oh yes. That was amazing. Oh yes. I remember that. That was so great. I was just watching that before we talked and it was amazing because first he was in front of James Harden and James Harden got around him and he stuck with the play and just like, all right. And he just stuck his hand up behind him and did like James Harden had no idea where it came from. It's that vampire quickness. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like only a vampire can move that fast. I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he is 40, I believe, and retiring after 16 NBA career years and then uh, a a bunch more in uh, playing for Argentina. You said 23 years. He's been playing professionally 23 years. Yeah, there, there's some people in the league right now who have some really long careers. It was funny. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't remember which one. It might have been the Dunked On podcast. And they were talking about the uh, Dallas Mavericks. And I was like kind of in and out of paying attention. And at one point, one of the people on the show said something about um, some player and it was his year 21. And I was like, year 21. Okay, so are they talking about... Dennis Smith Jr., who's 21 years old, or are they talking about Dirk Nowitzki, who's been playing for 21 years? I was just like so confused. But really, I mean, there are some players who've been around for a long time. That's crazy to so think that a player is younger than his playing career. Yeah. I mean, I think I think uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is actually 20, but I still was like, it, it gave me pause long enough to be like, wait a minute. What are they talking about? So, so there's a lot of guys in the league who are, you know, 17 years, 20 years. There's um, uh, Vince Carter. Pau Gasol has been in the league 17 years. Tony Parker. Jason Terry. He's 40 also. Um, Zach Randolph is 36. He's been in the year seven in 17 years. Of course, there's Dirk, who's 40 going on uh 20 years jamal crawford is 150 he's been playing in the years for 67 years um who who do you, who do you think would be uh the best retirement tour candidate i think that if vince carter can make his way back to the raptors to do one last season at some point i would watch that retirement tour i think the raptors deserve that uh but i think a lot of the time it comes down to if a player is willing to take on the role kind of like Vince Carter has, where he's basically like a player coach. He barely, he doesn't play that often, but when he plays, he plays solid minutes and he gets them back together. So I think players that can take on that role, you know, if you can take on that role and teams can still use you keep playing. But if you are unwilling to take on that role, I think it's time to do a retirement tour And I think that might be where Dirk Nowitzki is at. I think it might be time for the retirement tour for him. It has been an amazing career and I just don't see him stepping back and not being a center centerpiece for that team. I think Dirk's would be great because I also think I was thinking for the retirement tour, it should either be somebody who's played in like a million different places and left basically on good terms everywhere. So Somebody like, I think Jason Terry has been all over the league. Uh, Jamal Crawford has been all over the league. Um, Joe Johnson has been around. So some of those guys, or it should be somebody who's been with one team the entire time. 
Um, so I think Dirk would be a, a great candidate for that. And you know how, like I was, I read the, the Lenny Wilkins autobiography and he was talking about, he had like a retirement tour and at every stop they gave him gifts. And I thought, how fun would that be to like, see what everybody came up with to give to Dirk. And I think it's really fun on those retirement tours, kind of like Manu had last year is when you have an international player, there's such interest from their countries to watch them play in their last NBA season. So you get these huge crowds of Argentinians for Manu, just so excited to see him play in that last season, which I think was really fun to watch. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't even thought about like the the international draw. Yeah, I just uh, <laughs> I love Manu. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him. I used to not like Manu at all back when he was in his prime and destroying the Blazers all the time. Um, but I think a few years ago, somebody did a really pretty long in depth profile on him in um, it found out that he drives a minivan as do many of the players for the Argentinian team. And I was like, okay, he's got a place in my heart. He's like, likes the practicality of the minivan and his little, you know, you could always tell who he was from behind, you know, with his little bald spot Mm -hmm. when he still had hair. And he just, he always just looked like, you know, the dad down the street, you know, and he would come out on the court and just do these incredible things. And you'd be like, Oh, okay. If you know, I could do that, you know, if I really tried. <laughs> and then you go in the backyard and you try it and you break something. You're like, no. <laughs> no. You're like, no, he's, he is, he is quite special. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I wonder who else might end up retiring or sometimes in the middle of the year, they're at, remember when Portland broke Kobe? That was amazing. That was remember the he best retired. thing ever. I loved <laughs> he it. He played the Blazers and then the next day he announced that he was going to be his last year. It was great. And then I loved that the Blazer fans didn't let up on his retirement tour and we just booed him his last game in Portland. And it was wonderful. It was. And he loved it too. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad he loved it, but it was more for us really. The other, the other person that's kind of hanging out there that I'm wondering about, well, there's two more are Jason Terry and Dwayne Wade. And uh, Jason Terry said that he wanted to play for 20 whole years. And so I think this is going to be his 20th season. Yeah, I think it is. I kind of wanted him for the Blazers last summer. I, I was would have loved like that. Come along. Like a, a good, a good veteran, I think would be a great addition. And he is just a, he just seems like one of those players who just adds that extra level of energy to your team, despite being in the league for so long. He's just got that spark to him that a lot of players don't have. I thought he would be a good compliment for Damian Lillard because Damian Lillard is, you know, truly the leader of the trailblazers. So like he didn't need somebody to help him with that part of it of, you know, but uh, I think Jason Terry has so much experience and he's been around for a long time that he could, you know, individually have a lot to contribute to different guys, especially since we have, you know, 12 guards on the roster now or 11, let's say. (laughs) Yeah. We still got Nurk, so there's one one not guard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anything else on your mind? I think my last point is can we all believe that Patty Mills is now San Antonio Spurs longest tenured player? Oh my God. Is he really? He is. He is their longest tenured player, and I think it might be followed by Lamarcus Aldridge, but don't quote me on that one. It is kind of sh- shocking how different the San Antonio Spurs are going to look next year. I mean, 
it's a, it's a completely different team. I mean, they're going to have DeMar DeRozan, but like no Tony Parker, obviously Manu is going to be gone. You know, Tim Duncan has been gone. It's just, it's kind of shocking to me. Yeah. How it, it doesn't feel like it all dissipated. Uh, no. Yeah. So that, that why it's, but I'm excited to see DeMar DeRozan get a chance there. Um, I know that he wasn't the happiest in that situation because he loved being in Toronto, but I am excited to see where that goes. Hopefully it doesn't take us out of the playoffs, but <laughs> I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. And you know what is so strange is, you know, I, I was like, we, let's end with the Spurs because we're going to transition into the interview, which is um, going to be all about Kawhi Leonard. And this whole time we've been talking about the Spurs, I completely forgot about Kawhi Leonard. You know, that's because he really wasn't part of the team last year. So it's, it's hard to keep him in memory. It's going to be interesting to see how he plays in Toronto because we haven't seen, we really haven't seen him in a year. So I'm, I'm interested to see him play again. So, yeah, I'm going to be talking with Kelsey O'Brien, who is a big uh, Toronto fan, and she writes about the Raptors, and she loves Kawhi Leonard. So I'm going to talk to her about what the expectations are going to be uh, for Kawhi when he lands there, because I'm really curious, especially after his last year in San Antonio, to find out what people are thinking uh, and expecting from here, yeah. uh, from him, from here on out. So, well, anyway, Cassidy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks I for really having me. It. Yeah, it was great to talk to you. And we will have you back on again later to find out how things are going with the with the year with the Trailblazers. Thanks a lot. It is time now to welcome Kelsey O'Brien to the show. Kelsey writes for the SB Nation site Raptors HQ. Kelsey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You are our first international guest, so thrilled to have you and hope we don't start in some sort of like, you know, international incident with this. Oh, no. <laughs> it's my first podcast, so I can't make any promises. Oh my gosh, it's like all kinds of firsts going on here. <laughs> Well, if you, we could start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into basketball and writing for Raptors HQ. Sure. So I obviously am Canadian, which most listeners will probably pick up on my accent. But um, I grew up with four brothers and they all played hockey. So there wasn't really room for basketball in our house and um, I would catch glimpses of games here and there and I always liked the culture surrounding basketball I remember doing like an art project on Kobe Bryant in like grade seven mm -hmm. but then I remember the exact moment about six years ago when I realized that I love basketball was I was sitting in a rib restaurant and they were showing these highlights of, you know, Magic Johnson and Hakeem and Larry Bird. And I just, I caught myself noticing the difference between past game and the game that's played now. And I just like had this epiphany of, oh my God, I love this game. And then it just kind of turned into like a full-blown obsession from that point. 
Were you interested in like the like the the way it had transformed from the old game to the new game? Yes. Or are you just Okay. Interesting. That's I really just cool. the way even just the running back then, just these massive strides getting from one end to the court to the other in like five strides and all this ridiculous stuff compared to like the handles and the quickness of today's game is just to me it's really interesting to watch yeah that's one thing I love is just whenever something new happens or when a different style comes up or somebody innovates in some way where they start to like deviate I just I always think that's so right like if you were to put Chris Paul or Kyrie Irving into a game from the 80s or even the 90s, it would just be so different. Yeah, it really, really would. <laughs> well, our topic, at, our, our, yeah, well, they're getting shorter again. Um, I hope so. <laughs> our topic today is I want to I want to build up to talking about the uh, expectations in Toronto for their newest player, uh, Kawhi Leonard. And I absolutely knew I had to talk to you about this because you and I were both part of the SB Nation, the Women of SB Nation series that ran earlier this summer. And when I was reading your bio, I was absolutely fascinated and delighted to see you have three children, just like I have three children. But please tell folks what the name of your youngest child is. My youngest son is named Kawhi. Same spelling and everything. I think that is amazing. So I'm I'm taking from that that you have been a longtime Kawhi uh, fan. Oh my god, yes! Not just a fan of the name, but also probably the player. We'll get to that in a minute. Um. So yeah, that's amazing. How uh, I mean, like, what a great recruiting tactic, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> a I couple years in advance. Next one, Anthony Davis. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's dive in and start talking about the the Toronto summer because I thought the biggest story of Toronto this summer was going to be that after uh, being uh, honored as coach of the year that Dwayne Casey was fired. So can you talk a little bit about how how people were feeling about that in Toronto? Um, You know what? It's the same as with Damar where... People are sad, but people are happy. Like Dwayne Casey, his head has been on a spear for years now. Okay. And people have been calling for his head every playoff series for the last, I'd say, at least four years. That is so interesting. That is, you know, because the, the, big narrative this year in the media was about how amazing it was that Dwayne Casey was transforming the uh, the culture of the team without changing the personnel and how you know how he'd you know taken everything is is that what people in Toronto were feeling like I think the shock yeah because we had expected Dwayne Casey to win coach of the year or at least be considered behind someone like Brad Stevens but then to have him fired for things that seem to be out of his control for the most part was a little shocking to everyone but also understandable 
I mean, I think he developed the players that he had well, and he did as much as he could. You can't, you know, it's like beating a dead horse. You can't get DeMar DeRozan to defend. And the players that we still have that did not flourish under Dwayne Casey, I feel like they have a chance to now under Nick Nurse. With how I can't recall how far apart the firing of Dwayne Casey and uh, the the trade that brought Kawhi there happened. Um, the firing, I believe, was a few days after Game Four. Okay, so that was pretty. Uh, that was uh, in in front of free agency, and then we had free yes. agency, and then after that came the trade. Yes. Okay. So let's get into um, expectations for Kawhi. Initially, when the trade was announced, like had had there been news? Had been how had it been trickling out among the fans that this was coming? What was that part like? I think it was one of those situations where, you know, everyone said the Lakers were going to get Paul George, the Lakers were going to get. Kawhi Leonard the Lakers were going to get LeBron we always said what if we got Kawhi what if we got Kawhi but it was a total pipe dream no one expected it to actually happen and obviously DeMar DeRozan did not expect it to happen yeah what was it about Kawhi that seemed like he was the one that folks in Toronto latched on him coming um I think with this most recent season people forget just how amazing of a basketball player Kawhi is everything that DeMar DeRozan can do with the exception of passing Kawhi Leonard can do tenfold and DeMar DeRozan was a superstar in his own right but he was never on the level that Kawhi Leonard would be I think any team would watch Kawhi Leonard and say I would give my entire roster for that man. And it just happened to be Toronto that did. <laughs> so it, it was, uh, you know, Kawhi obviously, you know, has um, shown in the past that he has the talent to, you know, like you said, you know, do everything basically uh, tenfold. Was it just because you were more expecting that other players would go somewhere like flashy, like LA and like Kawhi seemed like the kind of guy who might someday end up in Toronto or, I mean, it's kind of weird because it was a trade. Um, so I don't know, I, maybe speak a little bit more about, like how how the rumors developed or how it, um, how the news broke that he was actually being traded for DeMar DeRozan? Um, well, the rumors and the news were about five minutes apart. Oh, really? Because kind of like Portland, their front office is pretty tight-lipped. And Toronto's, everyone is basically under lock and key. You never know what Masai Ujiri's doing. So I remember I was up with baby Kawhi at about four in the morning and I, my phone just kept going off and it was Woj bombs and Shams bombs. And it was saying the Toronto Raptors are close to a deal acquiring Kawhi Leonard. And obviously I couldn't go back to sleep then. So I just kept waiting and waiting. And then finally it was like, Oh, 
the Toronto Raptors have acquired Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan. And that's kind of when, well, no one else on Raptors Twitter was up, yeah. but I was. No one else has a baby that doesn't sleep through the night. Thanks to Kawhi. You were the first to know <laughs> <Yeah>. about Kawhi. <laughs> exactly. And um, so I don't know what everyone's four o'clock in the morning reaction was, but I couldn't go back to sleep. And so I just started writing. And then at nine o'clock, when everyone else woke up, our article was ready to go and everyone was just finding out the news. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. So you were writing the, the piece that H, that Raptors HQ put out about Kawhi. Yes. At 4 a.m. holding baby Kawhi. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, so, I mean, things are not simple with Kawhi. They seem pretty no. complicated. So you know, to get to the meat of the question, like what are people expecting or like what's sort of the range of expectations for Kawhi coming up this year? Um, Hopefully that we don't get slaughtered in the playoffs, but now LeBron's gone from the conference. So yeah, thanks even a lot. if we didn't have Kawhi, <laughs> it'd probably be a safe bet to say we'd get a little further. But no, um, during the regular season, we obviously expect Kawhi Leonard to perform at a Kawhi Le Leonard level. And in the playoffs, we expect, you know, finals the MVP Kawhi Leonard. Like the man, which game was it? I think it was, it was the first game of the 2016-2017 playoffs against Golden State. And he had just come back from that injury where he stepped on James Harden's foot. And he, how many points did he drop? 26. 26 points coming off of injury against the, what ended up being NBA champions. And that's just something that DeMar DeRozan would not be able to provide. Are, is is everybody feeling like he's going to play? Like he's ready to play? I mean, oh, he's going to play. And he's already reporting to training camp ahead of schedule. He's there's no doubt that he's going to play. He's passed his physical. Danny Green said on his podcast that he's going to play. So, I don't think anyone's worried about him playing. I think they're worried about him staying. Okay. The thing is, even if Kawhi Leonard isn't playing at 100% Kawhi Leonard, he's still Kawhi Leonard. Uh -huh. Like even 70% is going to be fantastic. What are some of the things that people are already starting to do or try or talk about to keep him in Toronto? Um. Well, they've recruited one of his childhood acquaintances, friends, to the coaching staff. You know, they brought in Danny Green with him. And Masayu Jury doesn't seem like the type to risk it all for one year. So I think that him coming to Toronto with a 
option to leave next year. I think Masai would be com- confident that he's going to fall in love with the team and the staff and the city and he won't be leaving. Is anybody nervous about the fact that there's a new coach or do some people look at that as like a good thing? Like they're, they can start all over together. Um, You know what? The good thing is Nick nurse was part of Dwayne Casey's coaching staff. So a lot of the plays that the Raptors have run in previous years, they'll probably still run in these years. And then there are players like Jonas Valanciunas who were scared under Casey to make a mistake and be benched. But Nick Nurse has always been in JV's corner. So I think for players like that, it's just going to be like, it's just going to give them that extra boost. And I don't, I don't see any major coaching problems if he's been their coach in the past. Uh What is, and you probably have a lot, but what are some of your favorite things about Kawhi coming to Toronto? Because obviously you loved him before he even came to Toronto. <laughs> so tell us about some of the best case scenarios that you're very excited about. Well, Kawhi Leonard playing in the Eastern Conference gives, I'm sorry, Boston fans. I'm sorry, Philly fans. Yeah. But. Challenge no up. one else a chance <laughs> of finishing first. There's, I mean, we finished first last year and now we have Kawhi Leonard. And I don't care about Gordon Hayward. I don't care about Ben Simmons. We have Kawhi Leonard. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective. How do you? Of course not. You're in the West. I know. You don't have to. You just have to worry about LeBron. Oh, <laughs> uh, like the West wasn't hard enough. Oh, <laughs> uh, golly. Well, so um, you know, what are some other like? What are some ways that you think he can make an immediate impact on the team? Well, just defensively. Like I don't know how much Demar Derozan defense you've watched because there isn't a lot. To watch he offensively he's great um similar like him and Kawhi have a lot of similarities in their style of play but when it comes to defending Kawhi is in a league of his own and just all around better than Demar and just like you know Kawhi started off as an off the ball player whereas Demar struggled defensively and offensively off the ball Um, and defensively like especially in the playoffs DeMar was a target because they knew exactly what he was going to was going to be doing and I think it was David Griffin said they knew exactly how to cover DeMar and they knew to stay down on his pump fake so that they wouldn't send him to the line And they knew to give him space because he wouldn't be able to drive and he wouldn't be able to draw a foul and he'd be forced to take a jumper and he can't be the that way. But whereas Kawhi, there's no playbook for how to guard Kawhi. There's no playbook on how to avoid Kawhi Leonard drawing a foul. So just 
the uncertainty for other teams playing the Raptors is really exciting. Yeah, it's it's going to be really different. That, like uh, preparing for it is going to be really different. What one last kind of topic to touch on is, um, you know, in addition, I mean, uh, in addition to the media spending a lot of time talking about Dwayne Casey and his refra- reframing of the team, one of the other popular narratives that we see even in the West about Toronto was that close relationship between Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan. So. How is uh, Kyle Lowry going to adjust, do you think? I mean, Kyle's, what, 33 years old, 32 years old? And he's a professional, and he knows this is a business. And I don't know if anyone listening has had a friend that moved away or switched jobs. You can still be friends after. It's not going to affect their friendship. And could you imagine being traded to San Antonio of all places. That's a wonderful organization. So I don't think Kyle's worried. I think when you've got that much experience you and your coach has just been fired, you expect that one of your team's superstars is going to go. It's either going to be you or it's going to be your best friend. And in this situation, it just happened to be the best friend. And they can still FaceTime each other. Exactly. It's 2018. Like they don't have to write a letter. They're still going to see each other four times a year. They're not going to send out the carrier pigeon. No, um, exactly. They're only going to see each other two times a year, though, because oh, right, the, right, right. The West East, and maybe All Star. Yeah, yeah. So maybe three times. <laughs> well, okay. So your takes on this are so reasonable. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it, it, it all is like, it, it's just like so balanced, like we're happy, we're sad, you know, he's leaving, you know, uh, DeMar is it leaving, is but it's okay, because he's going somewhere good, and Kawhi is gonna play, and he's it's all gonna fit in. I just, it's so reasonable, so refreshing. <laughs> I've been no, no, it is sad. Listening to too much Especially... radio this summer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have one team in Canada, right? And they're very involved with their fan base. And it feels it feels like we're losing a friend and someone who meant so much to us. But then we're getting someone better suited for their job. So it's you kind of feel guilty about being excited. That's the best way I can describe how I'm feeling. I can't speak for everyone. Some people are like, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead. We got rid of DeMar DeRozan. But I'm not one of those people just because he did so much for the city and he did so much for the team. And he has a bunch of records that are not going to be broken. And he does deserve a statue and he does deserve for his jersey to be retired. But he took the team as far as he could. And now it's someone else's turn and it's his turn to go grow in San Antonio. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how things go in San Antonio this year. Cause they are a dramatically different team. Um, right. But they have DeMar DeRozan now. So they do. Yeah. And they have Jakob Pertl and he's young, but to develop a young big under Greg Popovich is going to be amazing for Jakob. Yeah. Yeah. That will be. I hadn't even thought about the fact that he's a big and um, that he'll have 
Greg Popovich and Danny Green. I mean, how are people feeling about that? Oh, I'm excited about Danny Green. Yeah. He kind of gets, it's such a big story, Kawhi and DeMar, that the whole Danny Green aspect kind of gets lost. But a perimeter shooter like Danny Green is exactly what Toronto needs. And he's already seems to love the city. He's his podcast. He's been talking about how great Toronto is. So that's, I mean, he's, he's a free agent next year too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they got to win him over too. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And it's, we have something like almost 70 million of available cap space next year for people that could be freed up or not opt in or not resign. So we've got to do some convincing and it's going to be kind of an internal competition too, because all the other players looking for another contract in Toronto are going to have to fight tooth and nail. Yeah. There's you're how you're going to have some people playing really hard for, for money and position this year. Right. And then other people are going to want them yeah, because they see how hard they're playing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I thank you so much for coming on and bringing this like so super balanced perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add about Kawhi coming or Danny Green for that matter? Um, You know what? When we get Giannis in oh, 2020, oh. it's just it's game over for the rest oh. of you. <laughs> the takes are getting a little hotter. <laughs> yeah, I know. I should probably quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> well, before you go, do you want to uh, tell folks uh, how they can find your work? Um, sure. All my work right now is on Raptors HQ, but if you go to the Raptors aggregator at the um, top of my Twitter page, you can find a link to all of my work thus far. And my Twitter is Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-A underscore lately. And that's about okay. it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me this week and telling us all about what kind of expectations there are for Kawhi when he comes to Toronto. I look forward to seeing how things Perfect. turn out. Uh, Me too. (laughs) That'll do it for this edition of the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast. We are hosted by Blazer's Edge, which is part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. If you like what you heard, please go find the Blazer's Edge podcast feed in iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcast uh, app you use subscribe and rate and review us we release new episodes of the what podcast every other thursday if you just want to get notified when the what podcast episodes are released you can follow us on twitter at hoops and talks i am on twitter at tcb biggs kendall is kendall bennett 16 and cassidy who subbed in today as a guest host she does not have Twitter at this time, but she will get, be getting an account, and I will look forward to talking to her later on this fall as we meet some new voices while Kendall is finishing up her time in college. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll get you next time. <laughs> <laughs>